That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Gonna throw it. Slam. This bugs for you, Mizzou. They are carving up this LSU defense. You don't get no better than that, man. Throws the deep ball and it's wide open. Inside the 30, Lovett makes a move. They'll stretch the field to the wide side. Here's Burden, the elusive freshman. Stays on his feet. He will take it to the end zone. What a drive for Missouri. This is the Mazzotcast. Howdy, Tiger fans. Welcome to the Mazzotcast. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. Joining me, as always, is my longtime brother, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? Coming to you after our second week of Tiger football, and once again, we have a Tiger victory. Missouri beat Middle Tennessee at home 23-19. to Colin, uh, I think I'm not spoiling anything by saying that uh, most fans didn't get what they were hoping for tonight. Am I wrong? Well, I think if they were hoping for a win, they got it. But, I mean, it's certainly not the way you want to win. I mean, it. this was ugly and truthfully embarrassing. And it should be indication to everybody that nothing has changed. I mean, Cook is the exact same guy he was last year. He's not good enough. Drinkwitz is the exact same coach. The, the uh, offensive coordinator has nothing new to offer us. It's insane. And you know what? I kind of had softened on Mizzou and, and Brady Cook in particular in the last couple of shows being like, hey, I want to see a good join and hey, these are the horse we're going with and all shucks. You know, I think I just let the um, you guys are too negative talk get to me. Fuck our critics. Yeah. yeah. We're not being fucking negative. We're being objective. Conzo Martin sucked. He objectively sucked. Brady Cook objectively sucks. He cannot play football at this level. He's a fucking clown show. He is a terrific runner and has no ability to play quarterback. He fucking stumbled backwards and fumbled into the end zone tonight like a fucking moron. Once in a while, he'll throw a good pass. But the other half the passes he connects on are either behind wide receivers or above their head going to get him fucking killed. He's not good enough. And I'm sick of pretending that maybe I'm wrong or maybe it was his labor or maybe I'm just being overly critical. No, fuck it. He's not objectively not good enough to play this fucking game at this level. And if we're going to keep running him out here, it's going to be a fucking very long season. And Drinkowitz is 
maddening. I, I, I'm trying to hang on to this bandwagon with all my might, but there's no way we can beat a Kansas State team playing like this. The penalties, my God, all the time. It's incredible that there are still people who are on the bandwagon at this point sometimes. I, I just, what has changed in four years? It is identical to what we've seen. Nothing has changed. He is obstinately going to run this fucking flag up this pole and not change a goddamn thing. I mean, it, it's, you, you said it. It's Konzowitz. That's what we've got. I'm off the bandwagon. Fuck it. I'm letting go. I'm just going <laughs> to roll down the road. He is fucking Eli Konzowitz. The offense is, it's, it's asinine. It, and truthfully, I like Cody Schrader's having a good season. He did some great things tonight, but Drinkowitz has two players starting that should be backups. On its face, Cook should be the backup quarterback, and Schrader should be the fucking second man up. He is a better running back. He showed you tonight. Every time you give him snaps, he does electric things. And for some reason, they just keep running Cody Schrader out there. And it's like Drinkwitz has this compulsion to be like, no, what makes me seem intelligent or interesting is to go against the grain. But you know what? Going against the grain is you fucking fired you dimwit motherfucker. You, Colin, you, you've taken a lot of the words right out of my mouth. I mean, you know that I've been off the Drinkwitz bandwagon for a while, but one thing I have never said, but will say tonight, and that is fire Drinkwitz. Fire the motherfucker. He's not a good coach. He's a bad coach. And frankly, I don't think he's a very intelligent coach. I, I don't think he has the brain wattage If he doesn't to do know at this, at this point, if Cook isn't good enough, then he doesn't deserve to to coach college football. Well, Colin, the... I mean, it is as apparent as as the nose on his fucking face. The bullshit, phony quarterback competition through the South Dakota game should give every piece of information anybody needs to know that this guy is not cut out for this job and he doesn't even trust himself. You know, the, the fact that he even pretended to have the charade of a quarterback competition, he's too insecure. I mean, he just doesn't know what he's doing out there. And you're right. You talk about, you know, letting the critics maybe get to you a little bit. I'm the same way. You know, like I've said on the show a lot of times, maybe I'm being too critical. Maybe I'm being too negative. I'm not saying that anymore because when you're it's not negative, it's not negative to tell the truth when you're (laughs) it's not negative when it's right. That's correct. And and you were off a Conzo before I was and I was off a drink wits before you were. But at the end of the day, both of us got to this destination before a lot of the fan base did. And we got criticized for it. But fuck it. Fuck them, because you're not going to hear a lot of people talk about we should have Conzo back because we got Dennis Gates and he immediately turned the ship around. And I'm not saying the next guy we hire is going to be a Dennis Gates on this football team, but we hear the same excuses. Well, who are we going to hire? We're going to have to start all over again. Yeah, absolutely. But is this what you want? Like you're fine with mediocrity and just being miserable all the time? Sometimes you got to start fresh. Have some fucking balls. Eli Drinkwitz sure doesn't. I mean, you talk about a guy who will never go forward on fourth down, fourth and inches. I watched, of course, I watched all the old Miss games because of my wife. And Lane Kiffin went for it on fourth down numerous times, took a 56-yard field goal attempt when he probably should have punted. He did the gutsy, ballsy thing that could have gotten his ass in a sling on several occasions and won their game against Tulane on the road, ranked opponent, a game that they really were teetering on the brink of not winning. And I saw that game and I was infuriated because I know it was like our coach wouldn't have made any one of those calls. Not certainly not all of them, but not one of them because he doesn't have an ounce of fucking nuts. His offense. I mean, it, it's not just boring. It's, it's confused. There's, 
it, yes, it's limited by the fact that we don't have a quarterback who's capable. But we're in year four, and he has never had a quarterback that's capable. You're the GM and the coach at the college level. The fact that we don't have the personnel in place at the most important position, that is damning. And we don't know if his offense would work. We know it wouldn't work because he's just a bad coach. But we've never had the pieces in place to run it properly. You know, Mavis missing an extra point, the penalties. We're just, and let's be honest, Colin, we talk and talk and talk about this fucking defense being elite. That, throw, that word's gotten thrown around way too much. They're a good defense, way better than our offense. But they're getting exposed, particularly at the off- at the defensive line. Yeah, the defensive line is getting more pressure. But you know, for me, it's 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 the Cook situation. I mean, Drinkwitz doesn't even know who he should play at the most important position. Field. Full stop. It's as much of an indictment as this guy is. I mean, I don't know what Horn is. Maybe he's not going to be it. I'm not saying he is, but I can tell you definitively, Cook ain't it. He ain't him. This guy, he can't get the job done. I mean, this is what you're going to get, and. Maybe this Middle Tennessee team will go on and have a great season, and this win will somehow start to look better. But I'm, I doubt it. I, I think we just played really badly, or maybe we're just this bad all the time. I know we got a bad quarterback, certainly. Well, Colin, um, I'll say this about Middle Tennessee: they the got, SEC is going to kick a fucking mud hole in us if we play like this. Th- this Middle Tennessee team that may be good, it got fucking destroyed by Alabama last weekend. The same Alabama team who just got beat by ten points by Texas. So Alabama had no problem carving through this Middle Tennessee defense, and we acted like they were the fucking eighty-five Bears. Yeah, you know w- when I'm on Twitter following along as the game's proceeding, generally I do feel like my takes going through it are more negative than the general fan base, but not tonight. Not to, I feel like tonight what I thought was what I saw on social media real time, because there are certain games where it just, you can't play pretend anymore. And maybe Brett Sarver's out there playing pretend. I don't know. God bless him. But most people who aren't cult members can't pretend like this is okay. Cause it is not okay. We barely won this game. We backed into a win as pathetically as you can back into a win. And we're recording this immediately afterwards. So we haven't even heard the post-game bullshit show that Drinkwitz, I'm sure, will infuriate us with. Brennan, the nail in the coffin for my fandom or support of Drinkwitz was the final drive. This is your two-minute drive. You need to close the door on this mediocre team. Penalties. Going backwards. You know what I mean? Like, literally, they ran a play at one point where – Cook just ran around behind the line of scrimmage, then fell down. That was the play. Oh, my God. You're right. It was just the sort of exclamation point on everything all the Cook critics have always said. It's and the worst two-minute drive I've ever seen. Hey, we need to concentrate. We need to buckle down. This is, the, this is where, you know, this is where you make your money. This is where the, you know, the, this is where the big guys you know, step up. They do the thing, and we just shit down both legs. Hot dog water. Hot dog water. Fucking root beer through a super soaker. Just shit down both legs and we are just so lucky that somehow we managed to scrape this i mean imagine if we lost this game i mean it's and it was a real possibility it it looked like i mean after the safety it was a four-point game and i was just like dude we're gonna lose yeah i kept waiting for us huge (laughs) i know and it's and not only that cook took a bunch of fucking sacks tonight and that's partially on the line but part of it too is like he doesn't feel any pressure from the fucking backside the run pass options brennan he doesn't know what the fuck to do i saw at least on two different occasions tonight where he blew it on run pass options Mm -hmm. fucking blew it and i'm just like this guy can't do rpo he can't pass he's got this one really nice 
you know, shiny tool in his toolkit, he can run a little bit. But every other aspect of him being a quarterback, I mean, the, I guess I'll put it this way. The only part of Brady Cook's game that is Division One SEC level is his running ability. Every other part of him is the whack. I, I, this is not a conversation anymore. I'm not ready. I'm not going to suffer the Brett Sarvers of the world online anymore. This is guy is not good enough. That doesn't make him bad. That doesn't, certainly doesn't make him a bad guy. You know, you can still like Brady Cook. You can still root for him. But at this point, if you're not willing to admit he's not good enough to win football games at this level, then you got your fucking head buried in the sand. Full stop. Fucking, I'm sick of, I'm sick of people telling me I'm negative. Like, that is just what it is. Like, you need to watch more football or you need to concentrate more if you can't see that at this point. Well, one of the frustrating. Anyone should be able to see that. One of the frustrating things about not just Cook being not good enough and Horn being in the wings or Cody Schrader being sort of a mid-level back and Nate Pete clearly showing to be himself to be a better back, but it's there's talent all over this roster, offensively and defensively, and we're still wildly mediocre. I mean, that's as much of an indictment on Drinkwitz as anything, is that he's got a team that can win if it were coached properly. And it is not being coached properly. I mean, it is, it's barely being coached at all. And I mean, I said it last week where it's, you know, our new offensive coordinator is a puppet. He's a offensive coordinator in name only because this, like, as you mentioned, this offense looks no different than last year. And if he doesn't look any different, why the hell did you get a new offensive coordinator other than to placate your boss? And it, it just showed itself more tonight. I mean, this is, a fucking joke and it's infuriating because we know we have talent and it's just being wasted. The defensive talent's being wasted. The receiving core is being wasted. I don't fault fucking love it an ounce for getting the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? Like yeah, this you, offense with this quarterback, I mean, honestly, love it's getting recruited and he goes, well, I can go to Georgia and work with really good coaches or he can stay here with Konzowitz, you know, have Brady cook be the definitive starter. You know what I mean? Like, if you're trying to pad your stats, that's not a recipe for success. I feel like we've kind of been all over the place because we're fired up about the game, Colin. But is there any place you want to sort of start on this game alone rather than just saying, you know, as we have been, drink what sucks as a coach? Yeah, I mean, it was either the first or second series, I think. That first long pass to Burden, where Burden has to basically stop, come back to the ball, can't make the catch. He literally had a step. It was a touchdown if Brady Cook makes the right throw. Then on the exact same series, he misses another throw. I mm-hmm. mean, it just, it right out of the chute. I'm just like, okay, the Brady Cook apologists, they're going to have a hard time swallowing this series. Right. And it, it never got better. And I just thought, I just, I was almost relieved. I was like, I don't have to pretend anymore that this isn't exactly what I said it was. You know, I don't have to pretend anymore that I'm trying to be positive when I know, like, it's not negative to say out loud what is uh, my eyes can see. My first thought was that, as the game was unfolding, as you mentioned, was that last week I said, here's what's going to happen with this season. Spoiler alert. We're going to look very mediocre against Middle Tennessee and win, and then we're going to get fucking clobbered by Kansas State, and Drinkwitz is going to get fired by the end of the season. That's how this season is going to proceed. And I just thought, that's exactly what's going to happen. And I, just like you, I thought, I'm not apologizing for anybody to anybody about being negative because it's just, it was so fucking ugly. And the other thing, too, what we talked about, this team, the things to look out for, don't have a lot of penalties. We got a coach who's got a lot of experience with the same team. You got to watch out for the guys like that. 
and you got a team that's going to blitz a lot, so be prepared for it. And it just looks like they didn't prepare for this at all. It was all news to them. The penalties, all of it, just you can blame any one thing on one individual player, be it Cook, be it Mevis, be it any of the guys who got big, fat penalties. But when you tie it all together, it all goes back to the coach. I don't want to bag on Cook too much just for not being talented. You know, he does his best. He does the best he can. But the fact is, the reason he's being marched out there time and time again is because he got a terrible coach, can't recognize talent at all, and runs a terrible offense. Horn would struggle too. You know, Horn wouldn't do great out there. Let's be honest. You know, like, even if Horn were seasoned, even if Horn played half the season last year and had his feet underneath him, he wouldn't. Ex- nobody could excel in this offense. It's garbage. I think that's partially right. I. I do think or hope anyway that the play calling would be different. Like the sort of the, the restraints would be taken off a little bit. Cause I do think part, of, I mean, I know part of it is this is just Drinkwitz's offense, but I think part of it truly is whether Drinkwitz will say it out loud or not. There's concern about what Cook can and can't do. He's already thrown down the field more in the first two games than he basically did in fucking six games last year. It's pretty obvious they're trying to force the ball down the field to burden. They feel, they hear the, you know, despite them pretending they don't listen or read anything, they feel that pressure. They hear that talk, like that we don't go down the field at all. Mm-hmm. And so Drinkovitz, you know, he does throw it in. And truthfully, if, if those shots are landing, maybe we're have, having a completely different conversation. You know, like, oh, they threw down the field a little more. They really pressed the ball to the field a little more. It was good to see. Like, we're really happy about it. But the problem is, is that in the few opportunities that Drinkovitz does, the guy he's chosen to throw that ball down the field can't do it. Can't do it. And so it's like, drink, I don't sell you. You know what I mean? Like, you, you have somebody in there, but that's one or somebody else. I don't know who that somebody is, but I know it's not Cook. If, and he's completing those passes down the field. You don't hear a bunch of shit about your offense being super conservative. You're not going to hear any shit about running screen plays because there's going to be a fucking 35-yard pass sprinkled in here and there. The problem is the guy you've chose to run your offense and throw that ball simply can't do it. Drinkwitz is cutting his own throat. Arrogance, stubbornness, I don't know what you want to call it. It's, He's I, cutting his own throat. I call it stupidity. And then you can chalk it up to arrogance. You can chalk it up to whatever you want to chalk it up to. But at the end of the day, it's stupid because he's going to lose his job. And it's a pretty sweet gig. You know, he gets $6 million a year. And that's the other thing that's in makes me mad about this team that he's put out there for four years. And frankly, the team Barry Odom put out there four years before that, which is the fans deserve better than this. I mean, this university dumped a hundred million dollars into a South end zone project. It dumped another hundred million dollars into a, a giant new football practice facility. They're paying their guys $6 million a year. They are investing in this program and they're getting diminishing returns every year for that investment. I mean, Somebody's got to pay for that, right? And this is the guy. Drinkwitz is, this is he's the reason he makes $6 million is because it all falls on him. And I do think that we have seen Desiree Reed-Francois not be afraid to pull the trigger because she did it against Conzo when there were still, for some reason or another, people who were dragging their feet and getting rid of that guy and his terrible basketball. Well, now we're playing terrible football. And it, to me, too, the thing that really was most damning to Conzo was how fucking boring it was. Nobody wanted to go to those games because it's so fucking boring. Mizzou football games now are boring because we can't we can't do anything. You know what's exciting? Touchdowns, long passes, connections, skill, talent, sacks. We don't do any of that stuff. We do checkdowns. We do screen passes. We How many second and tens were there? I mean, it seems like every possession. We ran the ball for zero yards, and at second and ten, what are we going to do now? It's just boring. And the guy in charge of it, he's got to fucking go. 
It's a mess. It's a mess. <laughs> it is. And this is not the first game we've been like this where we're coming off of a win and just acting like it's a fucking huge loss. Because it is. It is. These games aren't getting easier, right? We're not yeah, going to play again, easier that's games. Us the trap of, that's us falling in the trap of people being like, you fucking right we are. Because we're realists. Because we've got a fucking brain between our ears. What I saw tonight pisses me off. And if it doesn't piss you off, you're a shitty fan. And that does, not a shitty fan because you don't support your team. A shitty fan because you don't understand the fucking sport you're watching. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's what I'm saying, Colin. These games aren't getting easier. It's not like we're going to be playing easier opponents. Every week we're going to be getting a tougher opponent. we got a tough opponent next week, and we haven't even entered conference play yet. We're going to get hit in the mouth and get hit, get hit hard. We barely beat Middle Tennessee, and there are a lot of points in this game where, frankly, Middle Tennessee looked like the better team. Well, I, I just know this. I'm sick of arguing with people about Kim Anderson. I'm sick of arguing with people about Conzo Martin. I'm sick of arguing with people about Barry Odom. I'm sick of arguing with people about Drinkowitz. It doesn't take six years of limitless, unconditional support for a coach to succeed. Fuck that. Six million dollars a year. Put up or shut up, Butch. That's the reason guys are getting paid that much now because they don't get a 10 year lease on life. When the guys go to put coach somewhere for a decade they were making four hundred thousand dollars a year this guy's giving me six million dollars a year because he knows the rug can get pulled out from under him if it ain't working and by god it ain't working I, i'm trying to recall the way i felt at the end of barry odom's tenure because i was frustrated with him too i don't remember ever feeling like barry odom was just flat stupid and i do feel like eli drinkwitz is stupid i feel like he's insecure i feel like he's petty i feel like uh it's all a big show you know, to cover up his inadequacies and that he's just not good at coaching football. He's a good recruiter and that has gotten him so far. And it's the reason well, you hung on own. so long because he can recruit and he could, he's going to recruit somewhere well. Just keep him the fuck away from a playbook. He's, I think you nailed him a long time ago, Brennan. He's, he's a snake oil salesman. He obviously can sell the snake oil to recruits that he, that he's a good coach and that this is the best, uh, that, that his tutelage is the best for their future. Which obviously is bullshit, complete bullshit. So he's selling snake oil to fans. He's just selling snake oil to everybody. He's selling snake oil to himself because sometimes I think he believes the horse shit coming out of his mouth. But at the end of the day, like he's selling his glorified, superfied boner hard juice. And when you take it, your boner don't get hard. <laughs> Mine's not. You just gotta, you just gotta, he's got a flaccid penis still. And yeah. Drinkwitz is on his on his wagon when it's filled with the brim with bullshit snake oil tonic off to the next town to sell them boner hardener. And you know what? <laughs> there are going to be a lot of soft dicks in the next town, too. It is all horseshit. Yeah, he's selling floppiness everywhere he goes. The, you know, Colin, just looking back at it, Barry Odom got four years. When you look back at Barry Odom's tenure, he only had one losing season. Uh, his first year, he was four and eight. He went seven and six. He went eight and five. And then the year he got fired, he was 506 and six. Eli Drinkwitz, his best year, the COVID year, went five and five. Six and seven, six and seven. And he's two and oh right now. Well, I can tell you right now, he's not even going to hit the 500 mark. There's no way this team, it goes 500. Not with the schedule it's looking at, not with the team we're putting out there, not with the coaching staff leading this team. He's fired at the end of this I, year. It's, it's over. And he's going to have a worse tenure than Barry Odom. That's I'm, I made my prediction last week of how things are going to go, and I'm saying it this week. He's done. 
Well, I don't, I think so. I'm still not predicting that. I mean, I think we could still go 500. I think there's, I mean, we went 500 basically last year and, and this is basically looks like the exact same plan. And so there's, I, we could go 500 again, but again, if Drinkwitz is unwilling to change and here's an opportunity for Drinkwitz to prove he's not a complete snake oil salesman, bullshit artist change. It's what the best coaches do. Recognize your failures and make a change. Make a change at quarterback. Make a change in your offensive game planning. Make it, you know, make personal changes all over the field. Do something. Do anything. But yeah. don't do the same thing because it's not working. It hasn't worked. It's, it's not going to start working. If his opinion is that I'm just going to keep my nose to the grindstone and keep doing what I'm doing, it doesn't work. If you don't recognize it, you can't change. And we don't want you as a coach anyway because you're not going to ever be any good. He's not any good. He won't be any good. He's a terrible. <laughs> Colin, he, I wish Ke- I wish uh, Twink Kayla could be on here. He'd really enjoy just unloading on Drinkwitz. Oh my God! Yeah, I mean, Twink Caleb was at the point where he was texting us saying, "I hope we lose so that Drink can be fired in season and be done with him." And uh, <laughs> I, I never want to. I never want to cheer for losses. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't but, there either. I found uh, myself but, rooting man, for is. them to get a first down. So I was like, "Okay, I'm not where Twink Caleb is at least." <laughs> yeah. Well. I think there is this small glimmer of hope too on the horizon, and its name is Sam Horn. And I'm this is not me predicting Sam Horn will be all world, and you know, obviously this offense is limited, and if Frankowitz is going to run it, but it is you know a little ray of sunshine. You're like, if he'll just, will he take this new toy out of the box and give it a try? At this point, with the way Cook's playing, I mean, what does he have to lose? I, that's uh, you know that argument that you hear from all the Cook supporters is like. <laughs> Drinkwitz says he's the best quarterback. He's obviously the most polished, most experienced. Like, yeah, I get it. He is. And he's not very good. <laughs> I watched him fumble the ghosts tonight into the end zone. I watched him overthrow or underthrow receivers all night. Like, what do you honestly lose with Horn? I mean, I, the only thing I can think of is like maybe Horn starts throwing some interceptions because, you know, that's one thing Cook didn't do tonight. Yeah. Every, every facet of the game. Well, and he, a, tr- a pick six was dropped tonight. Yeah. So if that if that that guy picks that ball off, we're talking about probably losing this game because of a pick six thrown right, by right. Brady Cook. But there is a you know, like I said, it's a glimmer of hope. You know, there's a quarterback on the bench. He's four stars. He's got an electric arm. He may blow chunks, but I sure hope Drinkwitz lets us find out because I know exactly what we've got in our starting quarterback. Well, Colin, I don't have that glimmer of hope, and the reason is because of what you said. This is exactly. The team we have this year is exactly what we had last year. The offense we had this year is exactly what we had last year. And the coach we have this year is the exact same one we had last year. And we had the same quarterback with a torn fucking labrum. And this backup quarterback we all wanted to see who could play four goddamn games and still not lose his red shirt never left the fucking bench. For what reason? No one knows. So here we sit. I mean, Colin, when I talked to you before we recorded, I said, you off yet? You off the bandwagon? You're like, not yet after K-State, and then you talked yourself off the bandwagon in this show. Can you talk yourself back on? Sure. You know, Rickwitz, you know, maybe we'll, him and Brady Cook will reel off seven straight wins and just blow my hair back, but I, I can't imagine. It's not even feasible at this point. Like, that's what's so frustrating about Brady Cook, ultimately, is like, you know it can't get better. Part of what's great about sports is there's always next week, and you feel like your team will have a new opportunity. But when you're willingly choosing someone who hampers your chances who basically handcuffs one hand behind your back it takes away even that part of sports you know when you sometimes your team's not very good but you'll have a little hope there's no hope as long as cook is our quarterback this is what it is this is as good as it gets this is what he was last season 
It's what he is. And at least if you throw in a new quarterback with a big arm and big expectations, maybe he falls, maybe he crashes and burns. But at least he brings you some hope. He brings your fans something to show up at the stadium and root for. Because right now, why? I don't even want to turn the TV on. I know the outcome. Yeah. I know it's gonna look what it's gonna look like. They're gonna run this same stagnant horseshit offense. They're gonna run the same mediocre, very limited quarterback out there. They're gonna start the guy who's not as good at running back. And I'm not saying Cody Schrader isn't good. He is good. But he's not as good as Nate Pete. I mean, there's a, there's a Pete's on a different level. And but he he has to basically squeeze his his spots from uh, Schrader. I mean, it always makes me wonder when I see things like this. I remember when Brady when when uh, Odom finally discovered Emmanuel Hall on his bench. Right. Right. I remember thinking, how many other players on the field, or not on the field more accurately, would be helping us? Because a coach obviously missed this guy, and that's kind of the way I feel right now about Drinkwitz. It makes if you're going to start Schrader for ahead of Pete, if you're going to continuously run Brady Cook out there, it makes me wonder about who else out there shouldn't actually be playing. Yeah, because does Drinkwitz not really get it? Does he not understand? I mean, listen, there's people that watch Brady Cook play and think he's good. Drinkwitz is one of them. I when I when I look at fans defending Brady Cook and his play online, I just my Assumption is like those guys don't know anything about sports. They don't know what they're watching. They're 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 drinking the Kool Aid so hard that there's willful ignorance, you know. But I certainly don't think that they have a lot of football acumen or or talent evaluation. And the, and their chief is Drinkwitz. He's their king because yeah. he thinks Brady Cook's good enough. He's the fucking running him out there with his six million dollar job on the line. There was a point in the off season where Drinkwitz said he he's not going to take advice from some random guy on Twitter. And I just said then, and I'll say now, maybe you should, because what you're doing is <laughs> stupid. Whether it's Eli Drinkwitz or Barry Odom, both of them made you pull your hair out at certain times because there were obvious things that could be done to make things better, and they just flat out refused to do it. And I think it's out of stubbornness, and I think it's out of sort of a feeling that they're the guy in charge and they know better than everybody else. Like you said, the Nick Sabans of the world or the most successful coaches, they change when changes are needed and they're not just sticking to their guns because they've made a decision at the beginning of the year. And so Drinkwitz is not that guy. Drinkwitz is this guy who decides he's going to do something and no matter what is thrown at him, never changes a goddamn thing. So anyway, Colin, we're on a spiral and I think maybe it's a good time to take a break and I'm interested to hear what the fans say. And uh, we certainly had a lot of voicemails, so... <laughs> When we come back, we'll get into the mailbag. This is the Mazodcast. Hey guys, Mazodcast is now on Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can join our Patreon page and get extra content from the guys, outtakes from the show, and any insider news that we have, we provide it there first. It doesn't cost much and your support helps the show. Join the Mazodcast Patreon and be part of the team. Here are our secrets. As we mentioned, a lot of voicemails came in after this game, and let's get to them now. This is the Massadcast Mailbag. 
Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. What's up, guys? And the first quarter, and uh, I have no clue how anybody thinks that we played this. We're going to beat Kansas State or anybody. This is just, oh, it's ugly. This offense is so bad. God, it's one of the second games of season two. Ugh. God be with us if you believe in God. Didn't get better. No, he seems like a nice guy. Mm, he seems like a nice guy. Somebody get him out of the game, please. And, and one other thing. Oh, we've got a shitty quarterback. We've got a shitty football team. we got a shitty podcast. You guys talk about Caleb the Greek and Caleb the Twink. And just get somebody who will be on the podcast with you every week, please. <laughs> MIT. Fair enough. <laughs> you know anybody, Colin? No, not really. What the fuck is going on? Halfway through the second quarter, and the offense only has 85 total yards. Jesus fucking Christ, that's Hobocum. Hobocum. Hot garbage. Hot garbage. What the hell? Are we fucking watching Connor Blazelak come back to Mizzou? Because this is exactly what it fucking looks like. Looks like Connor Blazelak's fat ass is out there. Just soft tossing fucking throws down the field and missing all the receivers. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I kind of would. I'd, I'd take Basilic at this point. Hey guys, Chandler here. I used to call in around, around 2015. I was like 15 years old, but uh, this I, I stopped calling in for a while. But this shit, you know, I'm just watching this game. They fucking suck. They can't move the fucking ball down the field. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Holy shit! Get this motherfucker out of town. <laughs> Welcome back, Chandler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, glad you decided to call back. Diarrhea runs, runs better than this offense. <laughs> yeah. I swear to God, if I hear one more Pollyanna tell me, oh, he was from St. Louis. He wanted to play for Missouri. He's a true son. I wanted to play for Mizzou, too, whenever I was a kid, but that doesn't mean my 5'10", 180-pound ass need to be on the fucking offensive line. Shut the fuck up. Brady Cook is not a Division One fucking caliber quarterback. God damn it. <laughs> Don't think we could have said it better. I got to tell you, fellas, first half of this football game made me really excited for this season of Mizzou basketball. <laughs> oh, you, you devil. It is not an exaggeration to say that this fatty auto kid from Middle Tennessee State Bumfuck University, maybe possibly Bearcats, <laughs> is absolutely a better quarterback than Brady Cook. Dude is fucking without question nice without question compared to Brady Cook. Yeah, yeah. agreed. Take him completely agreed. He 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 made plays today that Brady Cook has never made on his best day. Yeah, uh, he he made some he made some pressure throws. That touchdown at the end of the game was. I mean, I was like, uh, he's right. Middle Tennessee's quarterback is better than Brady Cook. I completely agree with that statement. If, if you have only this game to watch and make that determination and you didn't come to the same determination, you don't know fucking jack shit about football. Colin, I think we're likely to see better quarterbacks than Brady Cook the rest of the way out. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's a, it's a pretty low bar. I don't want to get too far over skis. Well, at the end of the third quarter, I can't blame Brady Toughheart. He's only doing what he can do. But good Lord, when he's out there, we make football look so hard. <laughs> I got a shot of fireball for after the game to either celebrate or forget about it. M I Z. Z O U. Z O U. Alright, boys. Hey, I got an idea. 
Nate Pete goes eight carries for 51 yards on one drive. It is now the fourth quarter. Why would we want him to touch the ball? <laughs> exactly. Hey, boys. Sitting here watching this shit show of a Mizzou game. I'm pretty sure I don't have enough bush lights to sit here and watch this bullshit. Hot garbage. Hot, hot garbage. garbage. Fucking, I don't know what to do. Cook needs to sit down. It Season's over. All right, bye. <laughs> I agree. I just, I, sometimes these games, I'm like, I don't see why we win another game the rest of the season. I know that's not the way it's going to go. But you watch a game like tonight, you think, fuck, we ain't got nothing. We got nothing. All right, first thing that needs to happen. You guys remember that episode of Evil of Bam from the Don't Feed Phil? They put up signs all over Philly, Don't Feed Phil. Need someone in Columbia to do that with me until he starts making kicks or something. Second oh, ball, God, yeah, that, like that, that extra point. Kick. Holy so shit. This is Romeo Cornell's life coaching with Tyler Thigpen as our quarterback and Brady Cook. Oh, I hope this is not a long season. MIZ, boys. Yeah, I kept waiting for us to lose by one and that Mevis kick coming back to bite us. The blubber boot. That's what I've decided to call him instead of the <laughs> kick. Fuck! Fair. Harsh, but fair. Tell me that fumble in the end zone for safety didn't look like Tyler Thigpen. Just saying. <laughs> That's a t- second Tyler Thigpen reference in the voicemails. So the safety just happened, and I've decided that literally the only drug that can get me through a Mizzou game it's fucking chemotherapy. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I wish Cook was as good as Tyler Thigpen. <laughs> Brady Cook is hot, fiery garbage. Hot, hot garbage. Just like his haircut. Fire, red shit. He's absolute fucking cock. And our team blows. Thanks. This offense fucking blows. Brady Cook's hot garbage. Hot, hot garbage. And for the love of God, when you're on defense, quit playing that fucking trumpet song. They fucking convert every fucking third down for the fucking defense that's supposed to be so fucking good. <laughs> M-I-Z. That's partially on me, man. I've been buying on the defense. I've been telling anybody who'll listen, man, our defense, our defense, our defense. But I also said in other shows, I'm like, the only part I'm really kind of skeptical about is that uh, defensive line, and I'm afraid I may have called it because, man, our, our defensive line needs to play better. Hello, gentlemen. Kevin from Kirkwood here again. And, well, uh, Jesus, fuck, what, what the fuck is the... I am absolutely stumped for words. I mean, the fact that Drinkwitz's stubbornness with playing Brady Cook and playing this fucking just dink and dunk offense is going to be his downfall. And it's going to be the downfall of these great recruits and these great kids who deserve so much better. What a god-awful fucking game. Oh, Jesus Christ, that looked fucking terrible. It was, yeah, we won, but it's like having, like, dirty sex with the high school skate or the college skate. Like, yeah, you had sex, but you don't really feel good after it. You know what I mean? Jesus Christ, drink piss needs to go. Hobocom offense. Hobocom. Is the same (laughs) shitty offense we saw last year. It's time to end it. Glad he bumped it up to college, at least. Got uncomfortable. Yeah, it made me feel better about the analogy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, oh, sorry about that, fellas. I'm on the shitter taking a Brady cup. Um, <laughs> gonna load up on. Uh, Don't forget to wipe your drink with. <laughs> what a shit show.
Yeah, second time calling in. You fucking think we're going to fucking get anywhere close to beating Kansas fucking state next week? No, they're going to fucking bend us over, pull our little fucking tiger butts out, and spank our fucking heinies. I mean, Jesus. You think you should be able to beat fucking middle Tennessee state, but the offense is clearly hot garbage. By the way, do you think now that fucking Mevis can't make fucking kicks? Maybe we could dress his fat ass up and put him on the defensive line because that clearly needs help. Hobo come. Hobo come. M-I-Z. <laughs> it is a hobo come kind of game. It busted out some hobo comes after, uh, after this performance. Hobo come. Was it an epic victory? No. Was it a bad loss? No. We won. We're 2-0. I'll see you motherfuckers in Columbia next week. Well, we got to hang her on. Yeah, 2-0 and o turns into 2-5 and five pretty quick. Well, fellas, I've been patient with the quarterback play and the coaching staff, but it's finally time to say it. Fuck Brady Cook and fuck Drinkwitz. I've had enough of their bullshit. Fire Drinkwitz. It actually fucking sucks being a Missouri Tiger fan. If I ever had a daughter, I would, when she was born, I would file a restraining way against Brady <laughs> Cook. <laughs> you know that he's got a restraining order. You're like, oh, that's how much he doesn't want him to rear his daughter. But he's just... <laughs> he's out of his unborn daughter, I might add. <laughs> Jesus, fuck. Guys, I don't fucking get it. This is JD from Arkansas. I mean, I'm a Hawk fan, first and foremost, but I banged a lot of bitches down there in, uh, in Columbia. So Missouri is a, a special place in my heart. So uh, anyway, I, I'm a fan of you guys, too, of the of Missouri Tigers. But hey, you fucking guys, I don't, Cook's Cook's not the answer, and uh, and Drink, I don't think he's the answer. I mean, that fucks from Arkansas too, so that ought to explain that. I watched uh, about half of y'all's ball game, and I just I'm not fucking impressed. MTSU, I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ, I have no, I don't have no idea, guys. I've been pounding natural light since three o'clock. I'm about to head to Walmart to uh, do some people watching. So I can feel better about myself. <laughs> but for fuck's sake, man, our team's got to do something. Hell, by the time we play each other, it's going to be like two, watching two turtles fuck or something, man. I don't know. It's just it's fucking aggravating. We don't have any O-line play. They they suck ass. You know, Cook sucks ass for y'all. Drink sucks ass. Pittman's got big titties. So <laughs> see you guys later. Enjoy your show. And uh, hopefully our teams will get better throughout the year. M-I-Z. Yeah, Z-O-U, thanks for calling in. Yeah, I mean, it's getting to the point where uh, Sam Pittman's tits is going to be the best part of that game. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Those big rocket jugs. Yeah. Oh, man, those juicy sweater puppies. I can't wait to see them. <laughs> I, I'm proud of us, Brendan. We have a, a regular listening Arkansas fan now. We have a regularly listening South Carolina fan now. We used to have a Georgia fan. I know that. And then we, I don't even remember, we used to have a guy from Australia listening to all the time. Yeah, but that's not a fan base. Australia is a country. Well, I know, but I'm just saying if we're going to put <laughs> pins on a map. <laughs> I just I just like that that guys from other fan bases are listening to us complain about Brady Cook. <laughs> Makes me happy. Well, the good news is Missouri is two and zero. Oh. The other good news is that I won the underbet. Bad news you. is Missouri kind of sucks, and Eli Drinkwitz's offense. Oh wait, I'm sorry, Kirby Moore's offense <laughs> looks exactly the same as Eli Drinkwitz's offense. 
They can't do anything. I, good Lord, this team. I'll tell you what. I'm going to give it till next week. And if they go 3-0, and we'll see what happens. If they go 2-1, and bye-bye, Drinkwitz. I'm kind of in that boat, too. Like, you know, this is the first game that matters. Kansas State's the first game that matters. I, I'm, I'm definitely off the Drinkwitz bandwagon, but... I'm not really sort of giving up on the season until I see what happens next week. But I hear what you're like saying, but Colin, might change. Yeah. he might be he might become a good coach at some point and decide that and be self reflective and evaluate what he sees and do something different. But I don't that, believe that you we'll believe win. that. I just don't think. You, I don't believe it. I'm just saying I'm leaving the door open to the possibility. Now, when, if we get boat raced by Kansas State on Saturday, which is a pretty likely outcome. Then I will completely just yeah. both barrels done. Like this is basically I'm giving. Here's your first big game. If you win it, you know I can forgive some pretty ugly football games at the beginning of the season. But if you get boat raced, then it's like, nope, you're just a piece of shit. You're not. You're not like you used to be a piece of shit. You are a piece of shit. I said he used to be a piece of shit. I I don't know. I the, for me it's like the truck is stalled out on the train tracks and you can hear the fucking locomotive <laughs> coming. I don't need to see the truck just get dismantled to know that the tragedy's approaching. Like, I'm already, like, we're going to get fucking slaughtered. I don't need to wait till next week. We know what's going to happen, and it's going to be fucking ugly, and there's going to be a sellout crowd, and we're going to embarrass ourselves, and Brady Cook's going to play awful, and we're going to lose, and it's going to be the start of a, you know, it's going to be the start of a terrible season, and drink what's going to get fired. Like, I, I don't need any more data points. <laughs> yep. No, I get it. That is, I mean, like, listen, I've had to, if I had to bet on it, I'd say you're going to be right. You know, I, I like that assessment. I mean, I feel like it would be easily the most likely outcome because what are the chances Drinkwitz going to suddenly come to terms with reality? I not bloody likely. Here we are, mid September, 2021. Oh, 2023? God damn, I feel like we've been watching the same shit for four fucking years. Ugh, hot garbage. Hot garbage. <laughs> yeah, you know, Colin, we won, I guess it was the COVID year, when we beat LSU at home, and we beat him on that fucking like defensive stand at the end of the game. And I thought, okay, this guy knows how to win. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we, we were close. We big game, big opponent, and we pulled out the win. Everything since then has been the exact opposite. We have... That Auburn loss. I mean, we we look like we don't know how to win. This team doesn't even know how to win. I mean, the LSU game turned out to be the complete anomaly. That in the recruiting really kind of drove the bus for Drinkwitz for a while. But God, we're way past that. So a lot of the talk is going to be about the quarterback choice. But I got to tell you, after tonight, I do not understand the loyalty to Cody Schrader. There was just clear difference between he and. Nathaniel Pete, as far as production, even if you take away that busted coverage, and yet Pete spent long stretches on the bench. Got to make the switch at quarterback and at running back. And uh, for Kirk Farmer's hair, I mean, no, one catch for five yards, but Theo Weiss made a couple of huge plays down the stretch. Uh, I might give it to that guy. Thanks, guys. We're going to vote for Theo Weiss. I don't disagree. That's a, that's a good pick. Well, him and Burden had a couple of catches that absolutely bailed Cook out and created a touchdown drive, you know, and, and both of them were extraordinary catches. It wasn't like the ball was placed perfect. Well, he's, we'll take him into consideration later uh, when we uh, talk about it. So, I'm pretty sure Drinkwitz... Ooh, it's a lady. ...wants his daughters to date Cook, so he just has even more access to him that he can just 
sling chodes with him all day long because that's the only explanation for him to keep putting him in the goddamn fucking game. I have more respect for my daughter. There is no way in fuck I would let her date cook or touch him with a 10-foot fucking pole because I love and respect my daughter enough for her to be with someone <laughs> Fuck somebody who is able to make a fucking forward throw and not gonna be a bitch about running the ball on a fourth fucking down and it's just gonna fuck it all up. <sighs> yeah, we won, but by the skin of our teeth, and we shouldn't have. Should have been a fucking blowout. Alright, thanks guys. MIV. Ooh, it's a lady. Ooh, it's a lady. Oh, we get two votes for not letting their daughter's date cook tonight. <laughs> Do other college football teams make you feel like you lost when you won? <laughs> or is that just being a Mizzou fan? Well, we specialize in it. Yeah, I was like, I was say, I was like, I do, do other fan bases uh, live this existence or is feeling bad when you win a solely a Missouri thing? Fuck you, Brady Toughheart, you little fucking shit. Mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck that you're from this. Oh, you fucking rooted for Mizzou when you grew up. Oh, fucking great. So is everyone else in this fucking horrible state. And we've had to watch <laughs> Mizzou football be fucking mediocre for the last damn near 10 years. And we have to watch Brady Cook every fucking week go out there and try to play the game of football. He has no idea what the fuck he's doing. At this point, put a horn in. I don't even care if he's shit. So I guess we're not going to see Sam Horn tonight? <laughs> I wish we could have. I don't know why Drake was so quick to pull the trigger on the end of the quarterback thing. Why not? I know the people who are calling into our show listen to our show, but it's nice to hear similar thoughts to ours because, like you said, Colin, sometimes people just hang on, hang on, hang on to uh, wear their rose-colored glasses. But like, I, I do think there are turning points with coaches, and I think tonight may have been one of those turning points for a lot of people. Well, I think a lot of people were like me in that they were still holding on hope that Drinkowitz would sort of bring it all together. Like, oh, we got our recruits now, and their quarterback's not hurt, and they're like, oh, and their defense is supposed to be good. Like, oh, you, you could paint an image of your head of it all coming together, but, you know, he starts Cook, and it all looks exactly the same. He hires an offensive coordinator that does the exact same thing he does, so it's just a complete wash. Nothing speaks to the arrogance of Drinkwitz more than saying, I'm going to hire, yeah, okay, I'll hire your offensive coordinator, but I'm going to hire the exact guy who does the exact same thing I do. Well, and I really do think, Colin, more maybe should be made of this because I don't think he was hired. I, I think his job, Kirby Moore's job is to sit in his office and he's like, he got him a really nice Xbox, not like, not like the S, but like the X, you know, the big one. And said, look, I want you to play as much Madden as you can and learn what, from it what you can. Meanwhile, I'm going to run this offense. You're going to get a salary for offensive coordinator job. It's a big salary. And you get to call yourself. It's on these business cards. It's going to say offense coordinator. But you're not doing anything, man. This is my offense to run. And he, I think they purposefully, I mean, Kirby Moore, nothing against the guy. But, I mean, <laughs> as you know, 10 years ago, he was playing football. He bounced around at, like, with the College of Idaho uh, he was a graduate assistant at Washington for a couple of years, Fresno State for a while, various roles. You know, never been an offensive coordinator before. I think Drinkwood's hired a guy in his first job as offensive coordinator so that he could use him as a puppet. I think he is an absolute fucking puppet. I don't think Kirby Moore has any 
input on this offense. I think this is 100% Drinkwitz. I think Drinkwitz was told he had to get an offensive coordinator. He pouted about it. And so he got the most ineffectual guy that he could who would just step aside and let him do exactly what he did before. But he could tell people, I got an offensive coordinator. You said I had to have one. I got one. That's what I think has happened. I, I don't think that he runs this offense. I don't think Kirby Moore sets up there. And where's headsets? But I, I think this is all Drinkwitz. But you know what baffles me? So Drinkwitz, Kirby Moore, they decided at some point they wanted to be professional coaches. They made a decision to be coaches. More specifically, they made a decision to be offensive coaches. And of all the offenses to choose from, you know, the air raid, the West Coast, the this, the that, you know, there's a million offenses to run. The single wing back or whatever, you know, that stupid Georgia Tech runner, you know, you're like, there's yeah. a million things to choose from, and they choose this, you know, <laughs> bubble screen of Palooza. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, this is what they chose. Like, of all the exciting, innovative ways to play football, these two football guys who committed their lives to being football coaches chose this offense to build their career around. It's insane. I don't think Kirby Moore chose it. I think he chose this job, and Drinkwitz said, you're not doing anything except collecting a salary, and in a couple of years you can go somewhere else and you can run your offense because you can say that you play, you were an offensive coordinator for an SEC program. But while you're here, this is my offense. Just shut your mouth. Don't tell anybody about it, and let's play some football. I just I don't think there's any fingerprints of Kirby Moore on this offense. It is 100% Drinkwitz. But, Colin, as you kind of alluded to earlier, it was another rough week for the SEC, not just for Mizzou. Why don't we get into it now with Around the Horn? We, we, we break our bread at Waffle House. Our teams are pretty good. We even play some basketball when Jesus says we should. So pour a little bourbon and repeat right after me. Built a church for Saturdays and called it SEC. Jesus loves football. And of course, we wouldn't be able to do this without the Paul Finebot, so let's fire him up now. Alabama, Alabama, Nick Saban, Alabama. All right, Paul, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Mizzou Cast Podcast. All right, Colin, let's dig right in to SEC play. Georgia got things off early at 11 o'clock against Ball State. This one went exactly as you might have thought. Georgia won 45 to 3. The number one Bulldogs go 2 and 0 on the year. <laughs> Uh, also early in the day was Vanderbilt, who started at 10 o'clock, but then there was a weather delay, so it took a long time to get this one over. They played at Wake Forest, recorded their first loss in the year. Wake Forest beat them 36-20. to 20. Uh, Vanderbilt's now 2-1 and one on the young season. Tennessee was at home. They faced Austin P. Volunteers, now ranked number nine in the country, beat Austin P. 30-13. to 13. <laughs> LSU is in cupcake mode after taking one on the chin last week. The number 14 LSU Tigers played Grambling, and it was a laugher, 72 to 10. <laughs> LSU was the winner. I mentioned the Ole Miss game beating Tulane. Tulane's number 24 in the country. Ole Miss was on the road at Tulane. The score looks lopsided, 37 to 20. That doesn't really tell the tale. Ole Miss had 24th quarter points, and the last seven of them were sort of a... They uh, recovered a fumble and took it in the end zone, but it was a lot closer than that. And 
like I said, Lane Kiffin made a lot of gutsy calls that put them in a position to win. Fourth down, four, touchdown play, a field goal that put them to ice the game. Really, what I'm getting at, I guess, is that the SEC has had a lot of games against out-of-conference opponents who are ranked or are pretty decent and have not looked good. Ole Miss actually nope. put away number 24 to Lane, so uh, that's probably the best out-of-conference game we've seen out of any SEC team in the first two weeks, which takes us to the Texas A&M game. They played Miami at Miami, number 23 A&M. Didn't do the SEC any favors. They lost 48 to 33. This is what I'm talking about. A lot of these games go out of conference, and just SEC's not scaring anybody this year. Texas A&M just can't stop sucking. Yeah, they've got to be everybody as frustrated as Mizzou fans. They 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 brought Jimbo in, paid him a mountain of money, thinking he was going to turn their program into something uh, good, and he has turned it into a flaming bag of dog shit. But yet people still think that A and M has haven't got things right on the track. You know, this is going to be the year. Every year they think, oh, A and M belongs in the SEC. They were a good fit, and fuck, they're barely doing anything better than we are. Kentucky won against Eastern Kentucky, twenty-eight to seventeen at home. Arkansas, as was mentioned earlier, they did win twenty-eight to six, convincing win. Kent State. Gary Pinkle and Nick Saban's alma mater, they couldn't get in the end zone. They only scored two field goals in the first half. So, you know, a lot of bitching, but at least Arkansas won the fucking game. They may not look good doing it, but 28-6, to I would have taken it over what Missouri did. Absolutely. Florida, again, they lost last week and did not look good in the process. So uh, they took on McNeese at home today, won 49-7 to lick their wounds. <laughs> and then just ended not too long ago, had it on while we were discussing the game earlier, in overtime, Mississippi State pulled out the win at home against Arizona, 31-24. to Mississippi State's 2-0 and on the season now. And then South Carolina took on Furman. They won handily, 47-21. to That leaves one last game that also ended not too long ago. Alabama. 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 Took on number three, Alabama. Took on number 11, Texas. Alabama. This is a tough one for us, Colin. If you listen to the midweek show, you know that we picked this one as with our, I guess it was our first sort of get rich with the Mazadcast pick, right? We thought, oh, Alabama. Yeah. What, eight point favorite over Texas? Fuck, they're going to beat them by two touchdowns. Easy money. Alabama. Yep. Go take that free money. Yeah. Instead, Texas beat them by 10, 34 to 24. No. Uh, Alabama. Goodness gracious. One and one on the young season, and Texas now two and oh. No. Giving Steve Sarkeesian a huge, huge road win. No. Early in, you know, and looking forward to coming into the SEC, I guess. No. Hanging yeah, on uh, on Bammer. I'm not sure. I mean, I only saw bits and pieces of this, but I'm not sure if this was more Texas is back or Alabama is dog shit. No, you should be fired. Uh, perhaps a little bit of both. No, I want some uh, some whiskey. Yeah, uh, yeah, Paul. We know you're happy. Paul did not like the results of that one. Clearly, no, Alabama. No, Alabama didn't win. Paul, that's just it's just not what happened. Yeah. Just kind of wondering, you know, is the Nick Saban glory years, are they in the rearview mirror now? Reboot, reboot. Yeah, it's hard on Paul. I don't think anybody needs to worry about the Alabama program at the moment, but yeah, this was, this is as bad as they've looked in some time. And then, of course, the final game of the week was Missouri's big win over Middle Tennessee, 23-19, to impressing absolutely no one. Takes us into next week's games. LSU will be facing Mississippi State, number 14 LSU, 1-1 one one on the year. Mississippi State, 2-0, coming off their overtime win against Arizona. 
uh, no line on these games yet because we're uh, recording it so early. But I expect that LSU will be the favorite. South Carolina will be taking on Georgia. South Carolina's one and one and fixing to get their ass whooped. I imagine Georgia looks very, very good. I think Georgia is going to win the East. Yep. I think uh, Georgia may become the class of the SEC. I mean, they obviously won a national championship recently, so that's not a controversial statement. But I think everybody still put Alabama at the top of the that pyramid, Georgia directly behind them. Yeah, I think, I think that I think that dynamic has switched. For well, you. yeah, a couple of national championships will do that. Bama will take on South Florida, weirdly, on the road. I can't believe Alabama, number three Alabama, is going to South Florida, but they are. Uh, Alabama's one and one now after their defeat at the hands of Texas. Texas A&M will be taking on UL Monroe. They are going to be able to lick their chops after their loss tonight as well. Uh, Then we're getting into SEC play finally a little bit. Number nine, Tennessee will be at Florida. Tennessee's 2-0. Florida is 1-1. And and, uh, if week one is any indicator, Tennessee should have no problem with the Gators, and I expect to be a heavy favorite. Yeah, I agree. Auburn's taking on Samford. Still collecting cupcakes. Auburn's just 1-0 on the year so far. Vanderbilt will be at UNLV. Interesting component of this game is, you know who UNLV's coached by, don't you, Colin? Who's that? Well, an old friend of the show won. Barry Odom. Yeah, I can't believe that guy keeps getting jobs. <laughs> sure does. He's one and one on the season. Uh, Vandy is two and one. And would you root for UNLV or Vanderbilt if you were to watch this game? Oh, uh, Vanderbilt. Yeah, you wouldn't root for Barry Odom's success. Well, I mean, I think you and I have both heard that Barry Odom has kind of a, been a real. Let's just put it. He's just a real bitch about me being fired from Missouri. He's basically thrown a tantrum on his way out and has kind of been a bitchy, sad baby about losing his job. I mean, I think you can still have a relationship with this university that's positive even after losing your job. I mean, I think even Barry Owen would have to admit that he wasn't good enough. And so he got shit canned. And that doesn't make Missouri a bad place for acknowledging that he wasn't a good enough coach. But well, Barry Odom feels wronged by us. So fuck him. <laughs> That's not the Barry Odom I've always talked to. The Barry Odom I talked to is just let stuff roll right off his back, except for tornadoes. What am I thinking? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what version of Barry Odom you're referring to, Gollin. <laughs> yeah, weird. <laughs> uh, maybe midweek show we can interview uh, Barry Odom, talk about having an SEC matchup once again. It's got to be a thrilling experience for him as a head coach. Sure, yeah. Sure he's got lots to say about it. I bet he does. Ole Miss, after beating Tulane this weekend, two and zero, they are going to be hosting Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech one and one on the year. Again, no lines yet, but I do expect Ole Miss to be the favorite here. They're twentieth in the country right now. Uh, Arkansas will be hosting BYU, two and zero BYU coming into Fayetteville. It'll be a good test for Arkansas, especially after not playing too well this week. And then finally, Kentucky will be hosting Akron, another cupcake game. And then, of course, that leads us to our game, the Missouri Tigers hosting number 15, Kansas State Wildcats. Oh, that game is going to be at uh, 11 a.m. on the SEC Network. Man, I just don't have a fucking hope in the world. I mean, I don't even think our defense is going to hold them, Colin. We lost like 40 to... I don't remember what the score was, but we got housed last year, and I expect us to get housed again this year. I wonder what the line's going to be because we suck. I don't know. I, I, it's it's scary. I don't know. I'm running out of words to describe how I feel about this Kansas State matchup. I mean, ah, man, 
I'm just worried we're going to get our asses kicked. Well, I'm, I'm sure of it. I mean, I'm just sure of it. I, I'm eager to know what the line I don't usually bet against Mizzou. I, I usually don't even want to bet on Mizzou because if we do lose, then it's a double whammy when you lose money too. But fuck. One thing I know is that uh, Drinkwitz-led teams are going to underperform. They're not going to cover, and they're probably going to get fucking whipped, especially when they are running out guys like Brady Cook at quarterback. <laughs> on that upbeat note, that'll do it for Around the Horn. And that takes us to our news desk, Colin, and it's uh, once again time for Kansas News. Well, I always heard there were three kinds of suns in Kansas. Sunshine, sunflowers, sons of bitches. This is Kansas News. Video shows Kansas deputy hug distressed motorists during traffic stop. Body camera footage released Tuesday shows a Johnson County, Kansas deputy hugging a distressed driver during a traffic stop. Johnson County Sheriff's Office Deputy Anthony Bussell pulled over a driver for speeding on August 5th, the department said. The man explained he was going through some personal challenges. Can I get a hug? I need a hug. Can I have a hug, please? The driver asked after telling the deputy his story. Sure, sure, yeah, the deputy answered and the driver exited the car. I don't mean to bother you, but I'm sorry, the driver said. No, you're a good man, the deputy replied, embracing the man. I promise you, it's going to get better. The sheriff's office used the incident to put forth a positive message on social media. The men and women of Johnson County Sheriff's Office come in contact with people every day who are going through their own battles. We strive to be compassionate while serving our community. This is our pledge to you. Unless they're black. (laughs) Well, I mean, what I want to know is, did the guy get out of ticket? Did this work? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Because he's getting out of a ticket, right? Like, this is that that was his trauma, you know. I got some stuff going on. And yeah, I was going 80 and a 55. But, uh, you know, can I have a hug? I uh, question, is this news? <laughs> you know, that's my question. Like, is this news? As we mentioned before, Colin, most of the time when we see stories from Kansas, it's pretty horrifying stuff, you know, like child molestation or murdering someone's dog, uh, things of that nature that we have to comb through constantly. So, frankly, a weird oh, Kansas... It makes you feel any better. One of the two people in that story, after the interaction, immediately molested someone. Yeah. The cop molested somebody <laughs> or the guy molested somebody. But somebody got molested immediately following. So, you know... It goes without saying, Colin. All right, next story. Olathe, Kansas man pleads guilty to January 6th Capitol riot charge. A man from Olathe <laughs> who was associated... With a Kansas chapter of the Proud Boys pled guilty to felony charges of obstructing police in the Capitol crypt during the January 6th Capitol riot. The U.S. Attorney's Office said Christopher Kuhn, age 50, pleaded guilty to obstruction of law enforcement during a a civil disorder. He'll be sentenced in February of 2024. Court documents said Kuhn conspired with other Proud Boys to disrupt the electoral college count in the 2020 presidential election and was prepared for confrontation with Black Lives Matter and Antifa groups. During a group meeting in January 5th, someone asked, do we have patriots here willing to take it by force? With his guilty plea from felony court, Kuhn faces up to five years in prison, a fine of $250,000, supervised release not to exceed three years, and restitution in the amount of $2,000 to the Capitol architect. His plea agreement says, as the estimates given back in October, the riots cost close to $2.9 million in damages to the U.S. Capitol. Hey guys, I just want to take this opportunity to do a public service announcement. Whether you're a Democrat or Republican or support the Bull Moose Party, 
you shouldn't own a single article of clothing or bumper sticker that endorses that candidate or for any party. If you, if you're wearing clothing, uh, you're basically you're treating your politicians like you're like a sports team and you're wearing their jersey. It, you're too close. Time you to dial take it a step back. back. Time to dial it back because that's how it starts. And then they, you know, then a couple a short couple of years later, you're you know bashing in a window at the Capitol. You know, just <laughs> just chill out. These, these are just human beings. They're not deities. You know what I mean? Like you shouldn't own an article of clothing with their name on it from either spectrum of the aisle. Uh, I always feel like wearing political stuff, like just go to the grocery store and put it on your political stripe, whatever that may be, is really just antagonizing people. That's why you're doing it. You're like, I want confrontation. I want somebody to come up here and tell me that Joe Biden is bad or Donald Trump is bad so we can fight about it. Yeah. I'm like, if you. That's what Facebook's for. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, who wants to go out into the public and attract attention? Like, I mean, it's my entire. I'll do a shoulder roll into an aisle to avoid a conversation with someone I know well. <laughs> I let know, alone trying to attract the attention of fucking strangers. This is more controversial probably, but this is the way I've always felt about religious stuff too, Colin. I always felt this exact same way. I'm like, if I go to the airport and I just look at you and I can tell like what your <laughs> beliefs are, it doesn't matter what it is. I don't care if you're wearing a, a priest frock or whatever your faith is. Harry but if Krishna. I can just, if I have Harry Krishna, if I can just see you and know what you are, I'm like, you need to dial it down, man. Like <laughs> you, can, you can believe whatever you want to believe, but if I just know it by looking at you, then uh, it's just, just take it easy, bro. <laughs> yeah. I I think it's safe to say this guy in Kansas probably uh, maybe he, he he can dial it down a little bit on his uh, political enthusiasm. All right, next yeah, story. Started, but it, yeah, but it all started with somebody getting him a fun T-shirt at Christmas three years before that, and for you know, you know what I mean, like. Because I know you like this one politician or what have you, and then it, this is this is where it ends. Yeah, you know you're taking a dump on the speaker of the house's desk. That's where it ends. <laughs> That's right. It starts with a fun koozie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Grizzly bear that fatally mauled Kansas woman is killed after breaking into a house. A grizzly bear that fatally mauled a suburban Wichita woman on a forest trail west of Yellowstone National Park in July and also attacked a person in Idaho three years ago, was killed after it broke into a house near West Yellowstone over the weekend, Montana wildlife officials said Wednesday. Oh, had a good run. Had a good run. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, he died doing what he loved, trying to eat humans. That's right, mauling Kansans. <laughs> um, early Saturday, a homeowner reported that a bear with its cub had broken through a kitchen window taking a container of dog food. Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks said in a statement, later that day, agency workers captured the cub and shot the 10-year-old female grizzly with authorization from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services. thing about it is it's killed two people, but it's taken dog food that made the authorities take lethal action. <laughs> well, I, uh, I commend this bear on its uh, policy of killing Kansans. God bless. Godspeed. Yeah. Killing an Idahoan? You know, I don't really approve of not that. Not cool. Not, not fucking cool. Not right. But killing a Kansan, no. you know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's, 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 that's a, you got to let nature nature. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Through genetic analysis and other identifying factors, they looked in its wallet. Uh, the bear was confronted and had been involved in a July 22nd fatal attack on Arnie Adamson, 48, a former teacher from Derby, Kansas, about eight miles from West Yellowstone. They found his watch and its turds. Let's be honest. That's how this came to pass. Uh, 
The bear, which had been captured in 2017 for research purposes, was also involved in an attack in Idaho that injured a person near Henry's Lake State Park in 2020. The park was 16 miles by road from West Yellowstone. Both encounters with people were believed to have been defensive responses by the bear. So the Kansan was fucking with it. Defensive? Like, does that mean the human was, was, a, per, like, was taunting it? Like provoking it? Yeah, like just like twisting its tail. Like, hey, bear. Colin, I remember that? I went to, uh, one time I went to Glacier National Park out in Montana, which was really cool. But there's a lot of bears out that way, like grizzly bears. And the, <laughs> the park ranger told us, said that um, you got to keep your head on a swivel when you're going out there because they are around and there are interactions with humans. And they said that some people, what they'll do is they, they say like bears don't tend to like the smell of cinnamon. So they'll sprinkle mm-hmm. like cinnamon on their clothes and to kind of ward them off. They'll also put like those little bells, those little jingly bells, tie them into their shoelaces just so like the bears, if they hear people, they don't really want to interact with them. So if they hear it, they'll kind of ward them off so they're like anyway sprinkle the cinnamon on their clothes and put bells on their shoes and then they said that the last thing that you can do is to look at keep an eye out for like bear scat you know that's a good indicator they're around and they say you can tell it's bear scat because it's got little bells in it and it smells like cinnamon <laughs> but i'm bumped yeah <laughs> so anyway uh, on, to, on that note our next story on Friday, Colin, the Kansas Jayhawks played a football game against the University of Illinois. So kind of bookending Missouri, you know? Yeah, it's a now this is a real slug match between two programs that are traditionally just absolute dog shit. Yeah, vaunted programs, Illinois and Kansas. Kansas actually the home team came out the victor thirty four to twenty three. Kansas now two and zero on the year after their win over Missouri State last weekend. So, uh, you know, same record as Missouri. It is one of those years, sadly, that I have to wonder, like, is Kansas better than us? They're better at quarterback. I, I saw, I just, from the highlights I saw of this game, I can, can definitively say that. By nature of them having a quarterback, I kind of think they're probably better at quarterback. Yeah, that's almost a given at this point. Uh, it's such a shit. I mean, you're looking at a lot of these SEC schools losing to non-conference schools, and you look at South Carolina, and you look at Arkansas, not looking so hot early Florida, and you think, God, if we had a coach who had half a fucking brain, we could maybe make some hay this season, and, and we just know we're not going to. It just depresses me. Yeah. Well, like but, I said, unless something changes, it's a very predictable outcome. Yeah, so I guess congratulations to Kansas. You're on a, a better path than we are right now. It takes us, Colin, to our uh, segment that we do after every football game. Now it's time for Kirk Farmer's Hair, Player of the Game. Do you have any candidates? I mean, we won the game, and there were some pivotal moments. I think Nate Pete, I think he was pivotal in our one of our scoring drives. You know, he had a back-to-back uh, 10-plus-yard runs, and then, of course, had the... Uh, wheel route where nobody picked him up and he scored a touchdown. So I, I think he was directly involved in both of our best scoring drives. We had a caller nominate Theo Weiss because he had a couple of very key catches, and he did, but he ultimately he I don't think it was a, as big of a part in that game as, as Nate Pete for sure. I, I tend to agree with you. I think when our offense was moving at its best, it was when Nate Pete had the ball. He did. His touchdown was on that bust coverage play where he was wide open and all he had to do was scramble into the end zone. But even on that play, one thing you saw was that guy's fucking fast. He's not just big, but he's also fast. And, um, yeah, I think, 
I'm happy to give him the golden locks of Kirk Farmer. I don't even think there's much debate about it. Agreed. Congratulations, Nate Pete. You are the Kirk Farmer's hair player of the game. Now, do you, Colin, have any nominees for the TJ Mo Douche of the Week? Uh, Brendan, there was a gentleman that uh, you replied to one of his comments on uh, Twitter the other day. No, I, I tried to reply, he Colin. He seemed quite douchey. <laughs> his replies were actually turned off. There's a guy named Cole Carmati who had posted, uh, the, Mizzou had posted a, a tweet about being sold out for the K-State game. And they said, yeah, I would agree. K-State fans are the best in the country. Mizzou actually got something right. Riffing on the fact uh-huh. that Mizzou said that the best fans in the country sold out for the K-State game. It's not that the tweet was benign enough, you know, whatever. He's a K-State guy. But what was douchey about it is if you wanted to reply to it, it said, oh, he has his replies turned off. You think, why would a guy sort of make a little jab and then turn his shit off? This is a guy who's actually a staffer for 247 Sports, the, the Go Power Cat website, basically sort of the equivalent, I guess, of what Gabe DeArmond does with rivals. He's a K-State writer, but it was such a big, gaping fucking pussy that he couldn't handle any criticism of his stupid fucking comment. So I quote tweeted it and called him a, you know, a, a gaping fucking pussy for being a gaping fucking pussy. I don't understand people. If you go on social media and you turn your comments off, I don't know, it's just the biggest chicken shit move in the world. Why be on social media if you're if you can't handle people responding to well, your thoughts? Well, this guy in particular, Brennan, you know, had his comments open. Like there's still yeah. some, there's some comments on there and then he's like, "Oh, Missouri fans are saying things that make me feel bad. Yeah. And so he turned off his comments. I don't want to have my feelings hurt. Anyway, in lieu of anybody else, I just feel like Kansas State game coming up and one of their writers is yeah. an indicator of who they are, which is big stupid pussies. Uh, well, I'll tell you what makes me so mad about the fact that we're going to lose this game and the fact that we lost the game last year is that we have historically owned Kansas State. We're by far a better program than Kansas State historically. And not just that, you know, all the people in the SEC who have this idea of what Mizzou is, Eli Drinkwitz and his ineptitude and his demeanor has only underscored, solidified that opinion opinion and made us into what they believe us to be. You know, Tennessee thinks they're so much, their shit doesn't stink. All we ever did was beat Tennessee. Then Drinkwitz comes around and we get fucking housed by Tennessee. You know, K-State, for some reason, thinks they're so much better than us. And Drinkwitz was like, yeah, yeah, you guys totally are. I'm going to get beat by fucking 30 by you. <laughs> yeah. Drinkwitz is making us into the caricature that our enemies feel that we are. I felt like for so long, they the great thing was that people would have this idea of what Missouri was. And then we'd go into their house and fucking give them all they wanted. We don't give anybody all they want anymore. Nobody is afraid of Missouri, and they shouldn't be. Drinkwitz has made us into a fucking neutered fucking dog. And uh, we're going to see it next week against K-State, despite this uh, Cole Carmody being a big fucking gaping pussy. And uh, also, douche of the week. Douche of the week. So, Colin, we are moving on to that Kansas State game, sadly, next week. And as you know, I have zero fucking hope. And I think there's probably a lot of people in my shoes right now. Do you think there's reason to have any hope? Other than just the the wild eyed optimism that maybe <laughs> Eli no, Drinkwitz will somehow really. see the error of his ways. Not really. Well, I mean, that's the what are the chances that happens? But you know, I mean, it's hard to ignore at this point. Like I'm just looking at the stat box. You know, Cody Schrader had 23 rushes for 81 yards. That's three and a half per carry. Nate Pete had eight rushes for 51 yards. 
6.4 per carry. I mean, one guy got 23 carries, another guy got eight. It's crazy. So that's that right there would be an easy change to make that immediately improve. And then, uh, you know, Burden had eight catches for 123 yards. And then the next closest wide receiver had two catches, uh, which was uh, Weiss and uh, Malik Miller. So, Mackay. I don't know. It's it's hard to have optimism. Yeah, Mackay Miller. Sorry. And uh, anyway, it's hard to have optimism at this point. Yeah, it is. I mean, our offense is just, it is non-existent, really. I mean, these, these screen passes aren't fooling anybody. Our offensive line has been fucking butter. Our defensive line looks pretty shitty. Things can improve. Things do improve. You know, we, we've had years where we've had really bad games and I've forecasted the team's not going to win the rest of the season. And then they do. Something good happens or you forget that other teams can suck too, you know? <laughs> and so, Anyway, I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to happen next week, though. I think we're we're in for some real fucking trouble. I think we get beat by over twenty points. I'd say twenty point loss, embarrassed at home. That's my prediction. Um, I say we lose thirty one to thirteen. Oh, I think we lose forty to seventeen. And again, they're like, yes, we're Mizzou fans. Yes, we're picking against our team because we're not homers. Mm. Uh, we're being objective. Like we look like shit tonight and. Kansas State doesn't look like shit. Brinkwitz has never given us any indication that he's willing to change anything about what he's doing. So it's hard not to, I mean, if you want to actually get an accurate prediction, what else can you do? Well, and then, you know, I think, Colin, last week, you're like, you're counting on our defense. But, like, the reason we had hope in our defense is because they were good last year. But let's not forget that Kansas put up 40 on this defense last year, too. All right. I mean, on on that downbeat note, I don't know where else we have to go, but uh, here's... Hoping against hope, we have some chance next week. M-I-Z. Z-O-U. And when you take it, your boner don't get hard.